welcome to the second episode of Eatbok, the diet in the paintings of the Sun Dynasty. Before we start this episode, make sure you followed me on YouTube and watched the first episode of Tea, in which I talked about popular toppings you could put into your tea and beautiful porcelain. The online creation is provided by the National Palace Museum in Taipei and its generous open data. And you are welcome to cast a vote for me during 21st October till 4th November. That's enough about the competition. And now, with me, Carmen Xu, your host, on with the show. Today, we are having a sweet tooth. Yes, sweets. Here, I have prepared some common sweets that you can see everywhere in Taiwan, and they are my favorites. These are ice-dried prunes, sugar-glazed lemon slices, shanzha, and finally, nougats from my beloved auntie. For the first two, you can buy them in any convenience store. But for the shanzha, it's easier if you ask for it in a traditional herbal clinic. I, for one thing, have always had a craving for sweets. Anything with sugar is good. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to have too many sweets. So during the Chinese New Year, when sweets were a big must to have for greeting the visitors, I couldn't be happier. I'd handpick all the sweets I wanted in the traditional market, where there were a splendid kinds of sugary goods, all wrapped in colorful and glittering wrappers: chocolate balls, Valentine's toffees, caramel and chocolate toffees, Whistlers, prune in a melt lollipop, and so many more. It's hard for a kid to say no to sweets. We all know that, so it's especially fun for me to see the painting today, the knickknack peddler. Painted by Su Hanchen during the Northern Song Dynasty. In the middle of the picture, we see the padera, a middle-aged man loosely wrapped in a blue robe, wheeling a trolley full of knickknacks. There is also a much older man on the left, who seems hunched back due to the weight of the trolley. He could be the business partner of the padera in blue robe. There are as many as sixteen children around the two peddlers, and you can see one of them in the right bottom is grabbing one of the trinkets from the trolley. What amazes us today is the elaboration of all the knickknacks on the trolley. Detailedly depicted, if zooming in the painting, you can see that there are boxes decorated with splendid wrappings and patterns, which could be makeup or spices for the women. Next to the boxes, we see that there are things that look like scrolls, which could be umbrellas made with oiled paper. On the edge of the trolley, above the grabby handchild, there are strings of household utensils, like dustpans made of bamboo. As it doesn't seem fancy enough, the peddlers are sticking tall bamboo sticks strewn with little lanterns, pendants, lucky charms, and lucky knots on the trolley. The sticks bend low because of all the trinkets, and they hang above the unhappy old peddler. Toys like bolangu、uh, and other groceries, like conical hats and bamboo basins, are stuffed in between one and another. It's a miracle that the trolley did not topple over. It wouldn't be hard to see how popular the peddlers must have been. They were like the genie, always having an extra spoon or a bucket for any housewife who urgently needed it. In Dongjing Menghua Lu, 
a book written by Meng Yuanlao. There is a passage that describes how the peddlers would attract the customers, musicians playing on the ground, attracting women and children living in the neighborhood, and some would spread sweets and dried fruits, which is called mai meizi or ba jie. The goods these peddlers sold weren't limited to household stuffs, but more like fresh seafood. Services like shoe repairing and cutlery sharpening, and so many more. Although we don't see any spreading sweets in the painting by Su Hanchen here, it's not hard to fathom how the peddler in blue robe would have done, spreading a little treat, and a swarm of kids beaming with joy would come and beg their moms for this and that. Everything in the painting has given us a wonderful peek to the past. Now. What sweets would a peddler spread to the kids? It wouldn't be something as fancy as a nougat, but something cheaper, like dried prunes or small chunks of fruit, maybe coated with sugar. But let's stop here for a moment. Where did all the sugar come from? Just like tea, sweetened substances have been around in the Chinese diet for thousands of years. However, the taste hasn't always been the refined sugar cane as we now know. During the Han Dynasty, which is around 200 BC to 200 AD, there we had jaggery or shimi, which literally means rock nectar or rock honey in Mandarin. But jaggery wasn't originally produced in the mainland China, but an imported good from India. To make jaggery, one would put sugarcane juice under the sun or heat the juice on fire. The crystallized substance would be the jaggery. The method would still be seen and used as we could see later documents that told the exact same thing. However, to note one thing is that the Chinese did not consume only jaggery. There were other forms of sweetened substances such as. Yi and tang, which by the Mandarin characters mean sweetened substances made from glutinous rice, these are all named for many sweets and desserts in the Song Dynasty. As time moved on, in the Tang Dynasty, which is around 618 till 907 A.D., a more refined technique for sugar making once again came from India, the West. As we see in Xin Tang Shu, written in 647 A.D., that Tang Taizong, the then emperor, had ordered people to travel to Magadha to learn sugar refining technique. The sugar produced this time was described better quality than before. The quality maintained in the Song Dynasty, and this is the reason why the Song people could enjoy so lavishly the sweets, desserts, and snacks. Lots of food like mi jian, which means dried fruit, and sha tuan, which could be bean buns, were loaded with sugar in order to be preserved much longer and to have more flavors. I couldn't help but mention this wonderful book for all the sweet tooth out there, Tang Shuang Pu, written by Wang Zhuo during the Song Dynasty. In this book, Wang Zhuo detailedly documented. The history of the Chinese consuming sugar, how to plant good sugar canes, and most importantly, in scroll number seven, besides a few medicinal tips fine sugar could provide, he mentioned several treats made with sugar. I was drooling over one treat called Tang Shuang Bing, 
which is a small treat made of ground walnuts or pine nuts, and mix them with fine sugar. Last, put the mixture in a mold and enjoy it. To my imagination, it'd be so sweet that the dentists would shake their heads. But it, it does sound appealing to me. Books that documented everyday objects and customs were gaining importance and spotlight in the Song Dynasty. And besides Tang Shuangpu, we see books like Cha Pu, Xiang Pu, and Li Zhi Pu being written and published. In the Ming Dynasty, Tian Gong Kai Wu, or the exploitations of the works of nature, is pressed. It is my humble gratefulness to these visioned pioneers, so this broadcast will be made on solid background, and we know more about our past. Dianxin or dim sum or chongshi for Chinese and Taiwanese people means anything that you eat between the daily three formal regular meals. It could be bean buns or、uh, fried dough with sugar powder sprinkled, which could be sweet. But it could also be fried dumplings and steamed momo, which could be savory and salty. But talking about sweet treats, we see names that would make you drool. In Shanjiaqinggong, we see Yingtaojian, which could which could roughly described as honey cherry cake. In Dongjing Menghualu, we see dried fruits like dates, plums, apples, and olives. There were also sugar-coated Chinese chestnuts, prune juice. Herbal and spiced Chinese quince drink, and so many more. These are not something we see commonly in Taiwan now, but some are preserved in China today. Imagine living in the Song Dynasty, when you could take one bite of a bean paste bun on one hand and sip it on a bowl of black prune juice on the other hand, and stroll through the pavements among the night markets. How wonderful and thrilling time for all the gastronomers like me! Of course, having too many sweets is bad for your teeth. However, contradictory to our modern knowledge, in Bencao Gangmu, it is noted that the sugar and jaggery are both included for medicinal use, like curing a tiger-bitten wound or coughing. It is not the only book that boasts the therapeutic effect. Mi Fu, a renowned calligrapher during the Song Dynasty, once wrote in his Tang Shuangtie that read. Sugar cures my throat. Such sweetness emits, and it is best if kept in the mouth. As we now know, there are throat candies like Chunbei Pipa Gao for a sore throat. My only guess is that Mi Fu also sought for herbal treatment for his sore throat instead of just licking and gulping sugar. Hmm. I wonder if Mi Fu had cavities or not. Although sugar isn't what our wholesome daily lives need, and the fact is it would actually harm our health in many ways, it's still a judgment of the prosperity of the society. With mature sugar-making industry, the prosperous Song Dynasty have left us a legacy of a kaleidoscopic record of sweets and desserts, and they appear in documents, books. Diaries and paintings like the knickknack padella we're seeing today, with so much detail displayed on the silk canvas, this is surely a masterpiece of folk art of the Song Dynasty. If you go on and search with the keyword "holang" in the open data of the National Palace Museum, you would find a lot of works similar to our painting of the day. However, 
What you are looking at wasn't painted by Su Hanchen, despite the familiarity. According to a research and exhibition called Dreisuo Zhepai in this March, this painting, also entitled The Knickknack Paddler, is in fact an imitation done by the later people, whom unfortunately we don't know the name. Well, you might think that an imitation doesn't bear any importance, but to be honest, this is the painting that inspired later artists like Shen Wenying, an artist during the Ming Dynasty. Before we come to the end, let's pause at this flash store. Welcome to the My Meizi Corner Store, where you can take one more look at the four suites I show you in the beginning of this episode. These are the closest suites I could find in modern day life and that resemble the Song Dynasty version a lot. Never fathom that the Song Dynasty people could have Nuga? I'm sure you'd be surprised, but actually, in Dongjing Monghua Lu, a suite named Xichun Rutang is mentioned. Mix cow milk and sugar together and cook it until it sets. This was very popular in the Shu area. Another name for Xichuan Rutang will literally mean lion sweet, and this is in fact the first mass-produced product in Kaifeng, the then capital city of the Northern Song Dynasty. Of course, the word nuga comes from French, but was originated in Italy, which involved honey, almond, and egg white. In Taiwan, nuga is made with milk powder, sugar, cream, and nuts. Some would add dried raspberries or roselle plants, but anyway, I love all of them. I'm hoping you would have a sweet time here with me today. I thank you all for joining, and wish you a joyous day with all the sweets. Just remember to brush your teeth. I'll see you in the next episode where we talk about fruits. <laughs>